Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This sermon is focused on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and points out many of the spiritual gifts that God gives the members of the church. Just as each part of a body is important, so are we all important to the community of God. Remember, you can watch our live stream on YouTube that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., or you can always find us online at hillcrestdecalb.com. Grace and peace, friends. I know that not everybody, everybody's super excited about the snow. I was pretty excited. I was not as excited as my dog, who found out it was snowing at 12.30 last night. Really needed to go out and play in it. I didn't find it very amusing. Even though this is only our second proper snow of the winter, I finally begrudgingly took down my Christmas tree last week. Now, my Christmas tree makes me so happy <laughs> that I was, I was tempted more than ever to leave it up all year this year. But I, got, I was a little afraid that if I did that, if I just left it up, that it wouldn't be special to me anymore. And so sure enough, I boxed it up and back into my garage it went. And while I was dragging my Christmas tree into my garage, I looked around at what a dumpster fire my garage had become over the past year. (laughs) Sometime in the last year, I put some furniture out in the garage that I was going to sell, and I eventually let the sale ad lapse without selling it. And so, as is often the case, that furniture just became more surfaces for me to put boxes of things that I do not need. But that furniture took up the space that my Christmas tree should have been stored in. Actually, that's not true. My old Christmas tree that I meant to give away this year but didn't (laughs) took up the storage space where my new Christmas tree should go. But then the furniture was my backup storage space (laughs) for my current Christmas tree. And so right now my current Christmas tree is basically sitting in the middle of the garage. It's probably not a problem until spring comes when I can clean my garage out, but then I'm going to be tripping over my Christmas tree to get to my lawnmower. I can already, that's a whole thing, I can already see it. Now, I tell myself, well, I don't, I don't have a basement, and I don't have very much storage space in my house, and so I've told myself that it's okay that I have all this garbage in my garage. But I'm only one person. <laughs> I'm the only person who lives in my house. It's just me, and so all that stuff, all that stuff is mine. And I just don't understand how it came to be there. I don't understand it at all. But it's not really, it's not the amount of stuff that I want to talk about this morning. We've talked about that before. We've chatted about the amount of money that people in the United States spend on storage units. That's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is why I have stuff that I feel the need to keep that I am clearly not using. Right now, I'll give myself my, I know you can all, all the spouses are pointing at each other right now. It's funny the things you see when you're up here preaching. I'm not here to judge you. It's. I was thinking about all the stuff in my garage and I was like, okay, I'll give myself my Christmas stuff and then I have some tools and, and I have a couple boxes of like childhood stuff that I just don't really want to get rid of. But other than that, there's got to be a solid eight to 10 boxes of stuff in my garage that I don't, I don't even know what's in them. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what's in it. Why, why do we do this? I don't, understand why, I don't understand why we do this. Why, if we use it so seldom that it's in our garage, 
Or we use it so never that we don't even know what's in it. Why do we allow things to take up precious space in our homes? Now, I, I have uh, unknown boxes that are sitting all over my garage now that are taking up space that I really wish my Christmas tree was sitting in. It's such a waste. But I got to thinking this week that that stupidity is not limited just to our stuff, because I think we do the same thing with ourselves as well. This week, we are in week two of our series that we're calling what is in, or What's in Your House, where we're talking about using the things that God has given to us. Last week, we talked about the importance of utilizing our time in a way that honors God, of of recognizing that our time is a gift that's not meant to be used and it's not meant to be wasted, but that it's meant to be invested in things that matter to God, right? Well, this week, I want to talk about something that's a little more unique to each of us, which is our talents. And actually, I would say talents and spiritual gifts as they are not necessarily the same thing, but I'll get into that in just a bit. Now, some of you hear that word talent, and if you're anything like me, I immediately think of like our old, when we were younger, or like our school talent shows, of which I entered precisely zero, because I have no talent. I don't know if that's where your mind went, but if that is where your mind went, then I especially want you to listen to this message this morning, because you might be surprised this morning to find out that you possess something that is invaluable, that no one else has. You see, we live in in a world that loves to put particular things and particular people up on pedestals. We love watching people with standout talent. We love watching Olympic athletes push and move their bodies in seemingly unhuman ways while we watch in our sweatpants from the couch with chips all over us, right? It's just me? No? We love watching those singing competition shows where we get to hear some of the best natural voices on the planet sing their hearts out. We go to middle school orchestra concerts, but only because our kids are in it and we have to. But we would go see the Chicago Symphony Orchestra because they are extraordinary, right? We love reading excellent books written by excellent authors. We love watching great movies that star great actors. We love watching amazing games played by extraordinary athletes. Most of us, on the other hand, are probably not extraordinary at anything, at least not by the world standards. I happen to think that anybody who can make something out of nothing is pretty extraordinary, but maybe that's just me. Whether that's somebody who can take a bunch of notes and write a song, or somebody who can take a bunch of yarn and make a sweater, or somebody who can take a pile of wood and make some furniture, I'm completely amazed by other people's talent. But by the world's standards, most of us are, well, just ordinary. In fact, a lot of us are prone to looking around and believing a lie, that everyone else has some kind of amazing talent that we don't have that we don't have anything to offer. And this, this is especially true of people who have been beat down, and it's also especially true of those kind of worker bee, behind the scenes sort of, pe- sort of people. Because our culture doesn't do behind the scenes. Our culture does up front. Glamorous, smart, beautiful, wealthy. We want to watch like a Michael Jordan play basketball. You can tell I don't watch basketball anymore. That was the last time I watched basketball. (laughs) I don't know who plays anymore. (laughs) 
But we want to watch like a Michael, Je- a Michael Jordan play basketball. We don't really care about his, his agent or his coach, right? But he couldn't have functioned without either of them. But we don't really care about them. And we know that we put people with standout talents on pedestals by the way that we pay them, right? Imagine what our world would be like if first responders got the same uh, salary as professional athletes. Or even more so if our teachers made the salary of Hollywood movie stars. Can you imagine? But if the truth is that we put our money where our mouth is, then the reality is that we live in a world where people with elite talent matter the most. And so it's no wonder that so many people struggle to believe that they have anything of value to add to the world. And we are not the first or only people to struggle with that thought. So often when we open the Bible, we look at it and because it has all these names that we can't read and all these places we've never been to and this culture that we don't quite understand, it's easy for us to pass scripture off as something that isn't relevant or isn't relatable. And yet so much of it is. For instance, uh, Paul is the name of a man who wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament, right? And we see a a lot of what he wrote were letters that were written to specific churches um, during the New Testament culture when the church at large was just getting off the ground. And so the text that we're going to look at today is is from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now, this particular church was facing a lot of division, we, couldn't, I, we would spend the whole day here if I, was to, if I was to name all of the division that that church was facing. But they were, they were dealing with political division. They were fighting over the fact that, that different parts of the church interpreted Jesus' teachings differently. There were arguments around the role of women and whether women should still be seen as property or could be leaders because of what Jesus, what he said, what he taught. There was division among the different classes The rich in that culture could buy off leaders, both religiously and politically speaking, so the rich got richer in every single way. Does any of this sound familiar? Right? So that also means that there were people in the church who were not rich. In fact, most of the church of Corinth was not rich. And there were people in the church of Corinth who used to be slaves, And there were people in the church of Corinth who were completely uneducated. But this character, Jesus, came along and he said that all were welcome. And so all started to show up. And so it was to this complete hodgepodge group of people that Paul wrote our text for this morning from 1 Corinthians 12. When I was going through the text with Joel earlier this week, I said, I'm not really sure which part of the text we're going to read, but not the whole thing because it's too long. And then I started working on it this week. And we, you guys, we just have to look at the whole thing because it's just too rich. We're just going to look at the whole thing. Actually, that's not true. Uh, we're stopping at 31A, which is the whole entire chapter minus seven words. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I took your time into consideration this morning. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, not the whole thing, just to 31a. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read it, it'll be up on the screen as well, so however you learn, however you best listen, follow along. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. 
Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, think about what I just told you about the Corinthians as Paul's writing this, right? They're all divided. So whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. It's cool to hear that whole thing, isn't it? 
We kind of pick this apart often. Some of you who have been in church for a long time, we just kind of pick pieces of this out, but this is meant to be read all together like that. And it's really important that we read it all together like that. So in addition to our talents, in addition to our talents, which in our not-so-humble opinions, God did not seem to dole out fairly, but in addition to talent, those who follow Jesus have also been given spiritual gifts. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, it's made clear that those who have said yes to Jesus have been gifted with a spiritual gift. Now, there are multiple lists of spiritual gifts written all throughout the New Testament, but none of them are complete. We don't know. We don't know what all of the spiritual gifts are. All we know is that we have been given at least one of them. All we know is that that they are meant to build up the church, they are meant to serve each other, they are meant to honor God, and that they all matter equally. And it's that last concept that I really want us to pay attention to this morning. Because unfortunately, I think the church at large has also created its own celebrity culture that doesn't look so different than the culture at large. We love to put certain dynamic people on pedestals and then we fawn all over them. And then if they fall or if they take a stance on a particular position that we happen not to agree with, we uh, shame them out of the church. The church at large has a history of doing this over and over and over again. Because the church at large has followed mainstream culture and highlighting celebrities, it has left many people in the church feeling as if they really weren't given any gifts. Or if they were, that their gifts don't really matter as much. I mean, maybe I have things I'm good at or things that I'm passionate about, but I'm no fill-in-the-blank with whoever you think is spectacular. But it's almost as if Paul knew that the people in the church in Corinth and the people in the church today were feeling as if they didn't matter a whole lot, which is why I'm so thankful that he added that part, that section that starts at verse 14, where it says, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It doesn't work that way. And I get it. Hands are, hands are kind of lovely. I get it. Hands are the thing that we use to like touch the cheek of somebody we care for. Hands are used to clap and to cheer, to wave and to welcome. We hold hands with people we love. Hands are fantastic. But who wants a foot in their face? Sometimes feet smell. Feet sometimes get a bad rap in comparison to hands, don't they? But God has arranged every part of the body just as he wanted it to be. And Paul takes that even further to remind us that no part of the body can say to any other part of the body, I don't need you. Man, I wish the church would get that. No part of the body can say to another part of the body, I don't need you. Therefore, that must mean that every single solitary part is vital invaluable, which means that every single part is necessary, which means that every single part matters equally, which means that every single person here this morning and watching online and listening to our podcast matter equally to the body of Christ. And it's true. Your role here matters. Your part, your voice, your opinions, your contribution, they all matter to the family of God right? They all matter. 
Thank God that we have differences here in the church. I was thinking about that even this morning, as different as Pastor Bill and I are, right? He loves, as much as Pastor Bill loves spontaneity, is as much as I hate spontaneity. I'm not kidding you when Pastor, I'm not kidding you. When Pastor Bill grabbed my Bible this morning, my Apple watch said your, your heart rate just went up. I'm not kidding. It just alerted me. Which I think happens often when Pastor Bill gets in my vicinity. My Apple Watch is like, Pastor Bill's nearby. Thank God that we are so different. To have one church that has two such completely different personalities that that get to both be pastor on staff, it's an incredible thing. That is the gift of being a part of a body. Pastor Bill has gifts that I can't touch, that I don't come near. I don't have at all. And vice versa. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. But we can't just give credit to the people who happen to be gifted in the ways that put them in front of people on the stage, in the, excuse me, in the spotlight. When things are going well here at church, I as the pastor get a lot of credit for it, right? Y'all are not shy with your comments to me, good or bad. But seriously, you are really generous with your praise, and I get tons of encouragement from the church when things are going well. But if you think for one second that this whole thing wouldn't fall apart if Maureen wasn't here, you're kidding yourselves, right? I wish she was here this morning. I wouldn't even know where to start to tell you all of the things that Maureen does because Maureen is the only person who knows all of the things, right? Now, she's never going to be up here preaching, this is, that's, not, that's not what she loves. That's not what she's gifted in. She's never going to be up front preaching. But I am not me, and Hillcrest is not Hillcrest without her, right? Do you know what would have happened if we didn't have Dave Wessel when the pandemic started? We just would have closed. And I really, I'm not saying that jokingly. We would not have been able to have services for those first few months if Dave wasn't here. Now, Dave is probably not, Dave is just as likely to be up here singing a solo as I am. That's probably not ever going to be him. But we would not have had services for all of those months had it not been for him. On communion Sundays, I show up here and just like magically, bread and juice show up and the bread is cut and the juice is poured and everything is just ready for us to partake in the feast that we celebrate together the first Sunday of every month, and most of the time, I don't see who does it. I don't know who set that up. It's just set up here. We have people who hold babies in the nursery. We have people who come into the building when nobody else is here just to change light bulbs for us. We have people who write the kindest, most encouraging notes to other people in the church. We have people who put up bulletin boards for us and others who come in and count and deposit our offering. We have people who know how many years we have left before we're going to need to purchase new furnaces. We have others who, without ever being noticed, regularly visit people from the church who can't get here anymore. Just this week, we had a couple people come in and paint a room for us and other people that decorated that room so that it'll be a more welcoming space for people. And each week we have a group of people who gather to pray for the church, which you're welcome to join any time. They're meeting online during the wintertime. It's just a chance to pray. 
Some pray out loud, some don't, some never have, some never will. That's okay. But those prayers, the prayers in that group of people have upheld this church for years. The majority of what happens in this church happens behind the scenes. And the majority of the people who make up this church are behind the scenes kinds of people. People who don't like to be up front. And people who often don't get credit for what they do because they do the work that many people don't ever see. But we cannot say to the person painting the room, I don't need you, because we do. And we can't say to the person writing our newsletter articles, I don't need you, because we do. Just because what you're doing may not be visible to other people does not mean that it is not of equal importance to everything else that goes on around here. And just because you don't always see the fruit of your gifts does not mean that you have not been a part of changing somebody else's life. The girl who first invited me to church in 1992 was super shy and somebody that you would never, never, ever would think would invite somebody to church. She wasn't a core person in the church. She wasn't dynamic. She wasn't up front. She wasn't really involved in a whole lot, actually. But she invited me to church and it changed my life. Not only that, but I have now been a pastor for the last 18 years. And so that one girl who invited me to church also then changed the lives of anybody who has ever been impacted by my 18 years of ministry. One invitation, one card, one visit, one smile, one act of service. We have no idea how our willingness to say yes to using our gifts is going to impact the people that God has put in front of us. And that's just the way that God works. God is going to give us whatever we need in the moment to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish in that moment. There was this period of time in the life of the church at large where it was this huge thing to take spiritual assessment, spiritual gift, spiritual gift assessments. They were these like, 50 or 100 or 200 question assessments, and then it would tell you what your top three spiritual gifts are. And I don't think those are innately bad or wrong. In fact, I took one this week as I was preparing for the sermon for today, and it said that my top three gifts were teaching, leading, and encouragement. I thought, that's, yeah, I'll go with that. The problem that I do have with these assessments is that it got the church into this mentality that A, we know what all of the gifts are that God has handed out, which we don't. And more importantly, B, that we are only gifted with this one or two or three gifts. And I don't really think that God works like that. Now, I do think that we have gifts that kind of rise to the top, gifts that are obvious in us that can be strengthened and honed over the years. I do, I do believe that, but I also believe that God gives us what we need in the moment to accomplish God's will in the moment. Meaning I believe that God can give you the gift of discernment in a particular situation, even if you wouldn't say that you are necessarily a discerning person. I think that if you are attuned to God's spirit and you are attuned to the needs of other people, that God will give you what you need. And so if that person needs to be encouraged in that moment, that I believe that God will give you the ability to encourage them in that moment if you're open to it. Our gifts are meant to serve others, to build the church up, to glorify God, 
And God will use whatever he needs in the moment to accomplish his will. And if we're open, God might even use us. That said, I know that some of you in this room have convinced yourself that you are somehow exempt from this whole spiel that I've been giving for the last 20 minutes or so. And I'm sure that your excuses sound really on point to you, right? I'm not much of a church person. Or I haven't been in church in like 20 years. Or I swear a little. Or I just am too messed up. Or my past disqualifies me. Or I don't really know enough about the Bible or all this church stuff. Or, or right now I'm really struggling, but maybe when I get my life together. And I'm sure those all sound reasonable and valid to you. The only problem is that none of those things disqualify you from using the gifts that God has given to you. There isn't some kind of checklist in Scripture that you have to mark off or point to before God gives you these spiritual gifts. When you said yes to him, when you were baptized in him, spiritual gifts were part of the deal. And if you're not sure what yours are, you can start by thinking about what you care about what you're passionate about, what you are drawn to, what you are good at, what comes naturally to you, what other people have told you you're good at. And then ask yourself how you can use any or all of those things to love and serve people. Just because you may have convinced yourself that nobody would notice if you weren't here doesn't make it true. If your thumb or your pinky just suddenly went missing, I'm pretty sure you would notice. And when you're not living into your gifts, the body of Christ notices. You, just as you are past and all, are uniquely equipped with God-given gifts and talents and passions to serve and love the people that God has put in your life. But I also think that this needs to serve as a wake-up call for some of us, because some of us are asleep on the job. You know when you sit on your leg for too long and your leg falls asleep? and you try to get up and you can't walk because your leg is asleep? Some of you are the arm or the leg that has fallen asleep. Whether it's because you think that nobody will notice or care if you're not here, or it's because you've convinced yourself that you have nothing to offer, or it's because other things have taken over your life, like work or addiction or money or other people, whatever it is, you're asleep. And if you were uniquely gifted and purposefully positioned, and you're asleep, that means that something maybe that God wanted done is perhaps not getting done. Or maybe that somebody that God wanted to reach isn't getting reached. So speaking as the thumbnail or the elbow skin or whatever part I am, I'm going to need you to wake up. I need you to wake up. Because you are an essential invaluable part of the body of Christ and you have something unique to offer that nobody else in this room offers. And so we're going to need you to wake up. There might be somebody in your life that is not going to have any other contact with anybody else who knows about the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you're asleep or you convinced yourself that you have nothing to give, who is going to help that person know that she is relentlessly loved and that mercy is hers for the taking? Wake up. Whatever you have been through up to this point does not disqualify you from serving God. It prepares you for it. 
You've been burned before? Use it. Use it to bring healing to somebody who was burned more recently than you. You walked away from the church 20 years ago to follow your own path? Take the love of Jesus to somebody who is still wandering and needs to be reminded that they are welcome home anytime they're ready. You're so shy or introverted or socially awkward that you can't think of a possible place where you could serve the church. Most of what happens here happens behind the scenes. If you are willing to be used by God, God will use you. If you are willing to use your gifts, there is a place for you here. The church needs you to wake up, to look around, to use your gifts to offer the grace of God to the people around you. I heard a pastor this week say, I want to be a gift of grace to someone, not someone that they have to recover from. I want to be a gift of grace to someone, not someone that they have to recover from. And I bet a lot of us, if not all of us, have at one time or another been somebody that somebody else has had to recover from. But that past, however messed up it is, does not disqualify you from being a gift of grace today. There is no one else like you. There is no one else with your particular set of gifts and talents who is in your particular space at this particular time. The question is not whether you have been gifted. Because 1 Peter 4 says every believer has received grace gifts. Use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength that God gives you so that everything, in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belongs the power and the glory forever throughout all the ages. You are a necessary part of the body of Christ. You have been called to use what you have. You have the ability to be a gift of grace to someone today. There is a place for you here. Do not leave wasted what God has graciously gifted. Let's pray together. God, I know that feeling of looking around and thinking that everybody else has, has gifts or talents that we wish we had, that we know we don't. It's easy for us, Lord, to think that nobody would notice if we just disappeared. God, especially for people who are saying that to themselves this morning, would you speak your truth right to them right now? Help them to know that they are loved, that they are needed, that they are seen, that they are valuable, and that there is a place for them here. God, to all who have said yes to you, to all who have received a gift from you, Lord, would you help us not to waste it? Would you help us not to sleep on the job? Help us to know that every part of the body is necessary and that we don't get to say to any other part that we don't need you. Lord, may we be the inclusive, hardworking, welcoming body of Christ that you have called us to be.